try to fix this back. Guys, we found a new home. Yeah. <laughs> are we home? Welcome. Yeah, I think we're home. This is a new I home? I think we're home. This is strange. This, e. is, this is interesting. This came is, home? Uh, yeah, this is, I guess this so. Is new. Uh, this yeah. is weird. Let's, let's talk about it on the other side, why don't we? That's a good win. There's a lot of people. It's like Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. Personal file. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. These people don't give you. Love you, honey. So familiar, yet so different. It's Welcome. very different. Welcome to the lowdown cfb where we give you the lowdown on everything college football i'm your host tyler isley joining me as always in the past mm-hmm. bj latimer came adjuster and returning from his stupor colin bashnagle <laughs> guys <laughs> it is a brand new, new show this is a new era formerly known as loudmouth cfb this show is carrying on with a new name mm-hmm. and a new home the lowdown network and i want to thank everybody there for pulling us in uh drew ivory of course along with everybody else who's a part of that it, it's a really cool opportunity and i'm excited to get started and continue this for those who don't know who we are we're going to go and mm-hmm. give a quick a quick a quick <laughs> rundown on, already off to a great start Tyler. a quick rundown on who we are what we uh what we do and, and how we kind of done things here. And it's not really going to change too much, but it is here and um, really excited to talk about it. So first I'm, I'm Tyler Isley, of course, um, got my, well, BJ, you got your Twitter handle up, which I forgot. That is how you have things over here. Um, That's how I do it at least, baby. That is how you do it. Um, but yeah, I, I am the host of the Lowdown CFB. Um Coming over from Loudmouth, Colin and I, of course, went to uh, high school together, for those who didn't know. So that's a, a fun little story. Um, but we didn't know each other until after high school, so that's a <laughs> even cooler story that I'm not getting into today. So um, <laughs> We got so much lore to catch up on on this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what in the world? We'll, we'll slowly um, fill you all in. <laughs> yeah, th- this is – we've been doing this for about two years now, uh, maybe a little over two years. It's been a really good time. I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it, and – um, when the opportunity came to join the Lowdown Network, I think it was one that once we had a full understanding, I think it was it was worthy of jumping at, and I think it's a good place to be. You can see behind me, my my bed will tell you I'm a Michigan fan, but I'm also a South Carolina fan with that flag behind me, and obviously I'm wearing a shirt that says so. Um, just part of my life. So, BJ, go ahead. Those who know you from the lowdown, but I, I mean, I was just about to say, if, if you're familiar with the lowdown, as you should be, if you're watching the lowdown network, you know a little bit about me. I'm BJ Larmo. Drew and I, we founded the lowdown and uh, started that podcast up in late 2020 as kind of a reason to give us something to do when uh, there was no sports and and COVID was still prevalent in a lot of, you know, places and everything like that uh we're you know we actually it's funny because tomorrow is our 100th episode of the lowdown so i'm not gonna go and and give away all of the state secrets before we talk about it tomorrow but no please um, give away all of them 
Okay. Uh, well, the nuclear launch codes are no. Never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, no. So we we started the the basketball podcast talking all things basketball in late 2020, and in the past couple months, we've been looking to try to get you know more and more expanded. We we added a college basketball show that has a couple episodes under their belts already. The Lowdown CBB, normally seen here on the Lowdown Network Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, will not air tonight because of unfortunate circumstances. We'll talk about yeah. that later on. Um, but w- it's it's expanding. It's growing. And, you know, I've been part of, uh, you know, part of Loudmouth CFB from the beginning, you know, summer 2021 when we started that up. And now get an opportunity to kind of merge the two worlds together. It's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, man. And I, I love it. I love that I get to be involved with, you know, with everybody that I'm, I've already been involved with in, in terms of podcasting world. And now to have it all under essentially the same roof, if you will, it's, it's really exciting for me. Uh, Colin, I, I, know I will you, say not to interrupt, but it's okay. weird. You said that you've been here since the beginning of Loudmouth and granted the four of us have, but it's crazy from what we started with where we had like five, six, seven yeah. people at one point, given points yeah. on, yes. on various things that four of us have kind of survived it all. But Colin, well, when you love doing something so much, um, that's how it's easy to continue going through these hard times. And what, you know, Drew and these guys at the lowdown have been able to do by offering us to expand and BJ, of course, being involved in that is give us a platform where we can truly work together and have more minds and clever minds at that, that are helping each other grow. Tyler's channels grow. My channels grow and the lowdown started growing, right? We wanted to all come together to make an individual product better for everybody. I mean, everybody's individual product, right? What, Drew and BJ have done with with basketball, what they're doing with college basketball, and now here with college football. So I am Colin. Um, I have a YouTube channel. Don't want to give it out yet because I haven't rebranded it yet. Trying to work on that right after the show here. And, um, you know, I'm going to miss the name and the brand Loudmouth for about another day. Uh, Cam was so clever with that name. But honestly, the lowdown might have a better ring to it. You know, uh, no offense, Cam. Uh, but, yeah, and I'm, I'm, of course, an Ohio State fan. Just wanted to flash this up here real quick. Like, I'm a diehard Buckeye. But if you can see my background here, I'm clearly college football first, right? You you already got the best background, according to uh, our good buddy Drew, who's got everything set up here on the What have we got against network? 410 sport card, sprint cars? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> What about you, Cam? I know we, we got you flipped around here for just a sec, but we can put you big screen to okay. introduce yourself real quick. Yeah. Hello. I, um, I'm i Camden. Um, I was briefly working with BJ and Drew in the past on the lowdown, um, kind of as a background producer type of guy. Um, but and carrying I, that role over it, here. Yeah, you? and I was going to say, I'll still be keeping that role here. I'll still be involved in the conversation. I'm a... Uh-oh. Oh, he's, no. a, he's, a, he's a frozen boy is what he is. Oh, what, what were you? We give, we give him the big screen for his one I, shining moment. So, I, 
I, I think I'm back. I don't know. You like are, since you I are. woke up. I okay. Yeah. Since I woke up, internet's been in and out. So I'll I'll do my best to keep notes. But anyways, um yeah, I'm a diehard Utah State fan and definitely excited to be on here for what used to be loudmouth CFB now in now the lowdown CFB. All right. Well, I guess out of the way, BJ, if you would, please take this seriously. Um, I can't nah. show off my team. I mean, I am commerce. Hey, you say claim your teams. Claim your team. That is fair. That is Texas A&M commerce. Lions to division one FCS for the second year now coming into this fall. That is a true fact that was spoken. Um, all right. So with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and talk about some of the news, which starts with Ryan Mallett. Um, tragically passed away in a drowning incident yesterday in Destin, Florida. Um, I, I'm really going to take kind of the lead on this whole deal on this specific topic because this is a guy that, as a college football player, was as close to my heart as it could possibly get. I grew up, I, I've been a Michigan fan my entire life. He played at Michigan. He spent a year at Michigan, was expected to be the guy that replaced Chad Henney, which did not happen uh, due to the change in head coaching uh, from Lloyd Carr to Rich Rodriguez. Ryan Mallett did not stick around, and I don't blame him because what he did at Arkansas, you could argue, was better than he would have ever done at Michigan. And I yeah. 100% can agree with that statement. What he, what he did at Arkansas was awesome. I was a huge fan of his even when he went there. He was a big reason I watched Arkansas football games outside the fact that I have extended family who live in the area. Mm-hmm. And it was just really, really cool to see what he was capable of doing. A, a kid who wasn't expected to do a lot ended up doing way more than I think a lot of people thought he could or would. Was a, a very good backup. I mean, I think I would anybody would kill to have him as a backup on their team and or potentially a starter, depending on where your situation was. He did everything right and did everything well and... It's it's extremely unfortunate. Only thirty five years old. It, that's a just tragic. I mean, extremely unfortunate. And I uh, I really hated that I opened up Twitter that news yesterday. Yeah, it's it's just it's so weird because it seemed like we had a similar story that had a happy ending just a couple months ago with Peyton Hillis. Uh, this he was in a position that he, he saved his, his kids and, and thankfully was able to make a miraculous recovery himself. And then mm-hmm. now we got, you know, another former, you know, uh, college standout and NFL player that, you know, was unfortunately not able to, to survive uh, out in, in the water. And I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they said that the, they were, it was a group and that Mallet was a part of that was all out swimming and they, there was some like the waters they found to be too treacherous to continue swimming. And so they kind of, they were swimming back and it was so rough that uh, the mallet wasn't able to, to make it through or something, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not fully sure. Um, that's, I know, that's I, what, what I, I do heard. know, unfortunately, is that there, I mean, there were a lot of warnings about rib currents and things like that going on throughout the week. And as a matter of fact, I'd seen a, a post somewhere where 
a guy lives down there and, and he's a pretty famous figure on TikTok. He, he said that, you know, I've, I've been here for a handful of years now. And in the last couple of weeks, I've seen nine deaths just in his town alone and Destin. So mm-hmm. from, from this, situ- from the same situation, just rip currents. So unfortunately that is, unfortunately, you know, it may ruin your vacation, but let's stay out of the water when that's, a, when that's something that's going on. When you see a red flag or a double red flag in the air, stay out of the water. That's, that's the best advice I can give to anybody who may be watching this. Ruin your vacation to, to be able to go back home with your family. 100%. Yeah, definitely. And I will say just uh, that 2010 Arkansas team, I mean, they were really good, ended up finishing the regular season 10 and two, second, I believe, in the SEC West, only behind the Auburn Tigers, which was I'm pretty sure their final loss of the regular season. They played by Ohio State Buckeyes in the Sugar Bowl as the – very, very tight game. Ryan Mallett, 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions that year. I mean, it was he was he was really good in Arkansas yeah. got hot at the right moment. They got a BCS bid, and that's the mm-hmm. last time that they got a BCS or New Year's six bid, if, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I think they did the very yeah. next year in 2011-12, but I could be mistaken. Um all all I'll say is he he had a I saw a stat earlier today scrolling across SEC network was seven over seven thousand yards. And seventy-three touchdowns in two seasons played at Arkansas with an eighteen and eight mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's two seasons as a starter, I, I should say. But just, I mean, that's awesome. I, I'm, like I said, it, it's unfortunate and it it really sucks as somebody who was a big fan of his as a kid. But um, just to Jesus, clarify, have. there they played in the Cotton Bowl the next year, but mm-hmm. it was um, no, I will say I, game, yeah. New Year's, or that was not a BCS game. Yeah, 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 that weirdness. Um, because it definitely probably should have been even then. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that I thought because they went what eleven and two the very next year too, didn't they? And yeah, they, yeah. Man, what but I think that was the year after he had left, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been, but they went the next year. I was just saying, but I didn't realize that wasn't a BCS game, so my mistake. All right. We can move forward um, past that news. Let's talk about the NIL, or the current state of NIL. Let's just leave it at that. And that is the – basically the the catch point here is that the NCAA is trying to dictate NIL rules while states are also dictating NIL rules. Mm-hmm. And, well, somebody's going to have to come through as the clear bearing of power here. And it's going to be the NCAA. I mean, these schools are a part of the NCAA, so there's not really an, a negotiating point for them here, I don't believe. This is one of those situations that I just feel like is going to be it's going to be until the NCAA is no longer, and I don't really think that's anywhere in the near future, to be honest. Yeah, I, so the thing about it is, to me, you know, it, it, like you said, it's one of those situations where the, you know, it, it's it's almost like state versus federal, if you want to break it down that way, and the NCAA thinking that they're like the federal dictation. Um, it really is 
you know, there, there is some, some questions about that, but if they're part of the NCAA, like you said, uh, then the NCAA is going to make sure that it's their rules or no rules. And, I think the only question really to ask is how long does that last? Is there enough pull from these big schools that want to, you know, want more expansive NIL opportunities that they're going to say, well, we don't need you and we're going to, you know, figure out on our own. Let me tell you exactly why that's not going to happen. The NCAA takes most of the brunt of lawsuits for former players who have been injured and, and have, like, like severe injuries that, uh, stemming from that. Mm-hmm. The schools are not going to want to take those on themselves until they find another another governing body that will do just that. The NCAA yeah. takes the brunt of the majority of that. They also take the majority of any real lawsuit uh, stemming from NIL or anything like that prior to its existence. Why would you give up that certain security for something else? I mean, again, the grass ain't always greener. True. Colin, and, and I think I'll, the, I'll pass it to you real quick, Colin, just to see what you have to say. I mean, here's kind of my general takeaway is you release this without many guidelines whatsoever. And that that's why I'm going to say you create your own messes when you're the NCAA and you just say, you know, NIL is just, I mean, it's the wild, wild west. How many times did we hear that on different college football shows, including our own? The wild, wild west is all we refer to. And now you just get this mess, you know? And it's a conflict that I truly just don't care about anymore because it's it's a demonstration and the best demonstration of the NCAA's just incompetence. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. I think that basically what it comes back to is when you, when you're talking about the NIL and like you, you use the word wild, wild West is, is perfect. If the NCAA is in charge of it, then it should have, I mean, and obviously if it, they're supposed to be, but it hasn't been enforced or dictated because it's all this under the table nonsense still goes on. You know, if it's supposed to be limiting to everybody, to even the playing field for everybody, that in you know in idealistic world is is perfect. But everybody knows, at least that's here that follows and pays attention to sport, it doesn't go that way. And there's really no way, unless the NCAA just has you know somebody at every single campus to you know make sure and dictate that this is not going on. I mean, how are we going to really put a stop to all the the shady under seeding belly underbelly of of this as that we've already seen in just a couple of years? I mean, here's the bottom line too. What was NIL intended to do in the first place? The idea of NIL it's allow supposed- yeah allow the athlete to profit off of their name, their image, or their likeness. And it's, it shouldn't be for just existing. It shouldn't be for what you are according to 247 Sports or the On3 Network or whatever you want to use in recruiting. It shouldn't matter if I say, hey, guess what? Jaden Davis, I'm going to say him since he's going to your school. Jaden Davis is, to me, the best player in America. Does that mean that he should get the best NIL deal? No. 
or as far as high school, he should still go and earn that in college because that's where the money is made at the end of the day. Shouldn't mm-hmm. be boosters and yeah. backyard churches and, and all this stuff going on where they're just bribing money behind closed doors. And then in some cases, in which I don't know if we're talking about the NI, NLI um, news that came out, but in some cases, you get this whole Jaden Rashada thing. You promise this much money. And, and the kid, let's let's say it's, you know, your mom says that you can take this many cookies and it, it's like five cookies and you only have one cookie to give the kid. The kid is going to be mad, right? But in this situation with Jaden Rashada, of course, he was able to get out of that NLI, NLI, that is, from Florida and get to Arizona State. You shouldn't blame the kid for that. It's the culture created by the incompetence of the NCAA. And then, of course, the adults around him at Florida. We're going to have a bake sale so we can pay for that five-star athlete, (laughs) y'all. Well, yeah, that's pretty much what it is right now. (laughs) The bottom line of this is, I wouldn't say what you said, BJ, because that does throw it. It it makes it seem a little more confusing. The NCAA is the federal to the conferences, which are more of the state. If mm-hmm. you will, yeah. Um, the NCAA and the state don't coincide. This is private versus um, well, again, a state yeah. government. Um, I just don't. I don't see any way that this changes unless the NCAA folds, which I also don't see changing. So <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. Again, the NCAA does so much for these schools and turn with some of the stuff they do protect them from. We don't always see that. I don't make them the bad guy because of, well, what it, what it looks like for the story, but I don't think anything's changing. I I do think that it needs to be reined in a little bit. And when you don't know something, you kind of tend to set it up and you either set it up way too strict or way too light. I think they were just way too light on it this time. I, I think that there's a, there are changes to be made. I think they're going to be made and made well. Just a matter of when and, and how. So, with that said, I saw something else. Um, the NCAA is talking about cutting the transfer portal in half. So, Cam, if you would please get yeah. us a uh, thing there. The, the transfer portal cutting in half. Basically, minimizing the amount of time you have to make your decision to enter the transfer portal. You can't just wait until the last minute and be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not really winning this and. On June 25th, so and I'm not. I'm just using a random date, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. Well, no, I think that um, I think this is actually a really good move. One of the few good moves since the transfer portal became a legitimate thing the way it is now. Um, you know, it used to do a lot of good for players that just weren't getting their due or were homesick, like a Ryan Mallet, for example, wasn't getting his due at Michigan. Decided to go to mm-hmm. Arkansas. Turned out really good. It used to go from that. So now it's just, oh, well, I don't like this head coach and I can leave now. So, or this coach lied to me and I'm going to leave even though, you know, things aren't really that bad. I, or, I lost, I or lost, there's I lost the team. I'm, I'm hey, going elsewhere. Hey, Jordan Addison, USC wants you. We'll pay you whatever number you want. <laughs> just saying. I, I mean, that, I, yeah, look, that, I, I, I don't care. So I mean, let's just play, just play the game for a minute. I mean, I like this. I think this is actually a really solid move. I, I, I think it, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change what's happening behind the scenes. But it does 
cut the time to make a decision in half, which is still beneficial. Yeah, and wasn't it he used up like it seemed like he was not every day during that that two month span or whatever two month window last uh, non playing season, but it seemed like I mean he, he was at raising canes in Austin. He's going to the University of Texas. He's he's at whatever. He's mm-hmm. going to LSU. He's at. You know, Even though everyone kind of knew it was going to yeah, be, it was, I mean, everybody you pretty know much when knew people it was are waiting, Southern Cal or Pitt. You know when people are Pitt. waiting to see what numbers are getting thrown their way, and um, I mean, it just is what it is. It's part of the game. Yeah. NIL is a part of the game. Do we like saying that? No. <laughs> but it is a part of the game, and I don't think it's changing. That's not going anywhere. I'd be hard-pressed to see it going anywhere. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm perfectly and, happy with this being cut down. You know, it, it will give us more to talk about in that span because we don't have to wait. It around definitely makes for... it definitely makes the decision making of getting in it quicker. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really speed up the process of finding out where you're going. I mean, there's yeah. people well, from if, 2020 if you, that are still in the portal. So, I mean, <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you only have 30 days to decide instead of 60, you know, it, it really, you know, you got to if yeah, you're going to go decide that you're going to the portal, not where you're going, though. I think there needs to be a deadline of when you can decide where you're going or you don't play the next season. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think so Rather well, than just being like a week one, you know, like it needs to be way sooner. Yeah. Well, I mean, here, and it goes just back to the whole entire NIL conversation that we just had, of course, with the whole entire trash portal being released without any sort of parameters. But I mean, I, I think this is a good thing, but. Honestly, what are we doing here telling kids to it, – it's still fine for these kids to not have to stick out maybe a tough a, a tough situation. And if you lose a position battle – I mean, personally, I think the winter window is the only one that should exist, and I think it should be from about January 10th or whenever the national championship is the day after, that Tuesday after the national championship – until like the end of the month or a month from then. It should be a very limited window of entering the portal. And then you're right, Tyler. I think there should be um, a limited amount of time that these yeah. kids like if have you're not to committed pick before a school. spring ball, you're not playing. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean I, I'm just using yeah. that for an example, but I mean. Yeah. Why, why, would, a co- why would a coach. Unless you graduate. Yeah, yeah. Why would a coach that's looking for somebody in the portal want somebody that wasn't committed to the team from, you know, start of spring practice on, why would you want to pick somebody up in the middle of the summer behind the curve and everything? Absolutely. How are you going to catch up on what, you know, the, the schemes and everything like that in such a short time? There's definitely more changes to be had. I think it's going to take some time, but I I do think that there will eventually be that next step and that next change. And and that's what you're looking for. And that's, what's going to make everything much better. So we'll see. I hope you're right. Yeah, thank you. I mean, <laughs> definitely, for I think I think we're all in agreement yeah, about yeah, that. I mean, all honesty. Absolutely, definitely, <laughs> definitely something that needs to be there. Um, yeah. All right, let's move ahead and talk about just a slight bit of recruiting, and I really want to talk about one thing in particular because we did not talk about this, or we haven't got a chance to talk about this yet. Elijah Brown, the number three quarterback in the class of twenty twenty four, commits to Stanford. And a quote I heard, and no, I can't. And the quote I heard, I love the reason. You can play good college football anywhere, but you can't get a Stanford degree anywhere. Yeah. 
absolutely it's not wrong. This, this Thinking a... forward and not just about the game, which is, I mean, that's awesome, obviously. Gotta like I, that. I was just about to say, this is a breath of fresh air. You don't see anybody. I mean, no, not trying to take shots here, Colin, but everybody remembers Cardale Jones's famous <laughs> tweet about, I didn't we come ain't here, here to play school. It's funny. It's funny. I mean, football, man. And, and I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it is, is a refreshing thing yeah, to hear. I, I will extremely say refreshing. Absolutely. You know, this oh. is this is something that a lot of players, you know, they go to college and, and they're just, you know, they're there to, you know, hide dilly dally with their friends and and yuck it up and you know at the end of three or four years they've got a general studies degree what the hell is that gonna do for them when they get out if they're especially if they go pro or if they don't go pro what are they gonna do with that so you know to have an idea in mind to have like you know hey this is you know this is my chance to get you know i'm getting a full ride to play for a prestigious academic university if, if he doesn't think that there's a chance that he's going to be playing pro, or even if there is, you know, once that those days and the pros are up, he's going to be set with any kind of job that he wants. He doesn't have to kind of figure it out last second right after he ret- retires like some of the other players that go into media because that's about all that they really have at going for them at that point. Uh, you know, this is just refreshing to see in a big-name recruit that has the academic priority already, as opposed to having, you know, I don't really care where I go. They'll just give me a basic degree that I'll put up, you know, put on the wall behind me right here. And, and, uh, you know, that's not what I did. Thank you for asking. (laughs) I mean, there, there, there are some times where it feels like my degree is about as useless as just being a paper on the wall, but uh, in all honesty, I kid, but I, I I do agree. It is refreshing. And I think this is the, the mentality that more, you know, student athletes should have, you know, student comes before athlete for a reason. Well, it does. I mean, not everybody's going to, value that the same i mean there's guys who know they're going to the nfl i think this kid just look he seems like a smart kid seems like he just wants to get things done and and succeed whatever happens whether he goes to the nfl or not this is a successful route to take i'm honestly like you said it's just cool to see a kid thinking about his future outside of the game well, and here's also the other thing with Elijah Brown is he didn't take another visit outside of the state of California. The only other visit he took was UCLA. He got offered by big dogs like Georgia, like Alabama, Michigan, mm-hmm. and he got offered by all of them, but yet it was only the two Cali schools that he ended up visiting. And he picked Stanford, a modern-day kid, keep in mind, which we all know modern-day. And he picked Stanford, and I feel like a huge part of it is to Troy Taylor. I mean, you can Mm -hmm. talk about Troy Taylor all you want as far as how big of a rebuild they have. You get a big quarterback like this who is this close to five-star. I mean, he's right there on the brink of – on the line of four and five-star. You're going to at least get some decent talent come to Stanford with him just because he's going to recruit for them. It's still pretty early in the cycle if you think about it. I mean, it is Mm -hmm. still just late. It's only June. (laughs) Yeah, A lot of things can change, and if you can keep Elijah Brown in the fold, you can get some good offensive players to go around him. This was massive for Troy Taylor. It's almost like a a way too early signing period in June anymore after with all this stuff going on. I mean, it's just like – this month has been insane when it comes to recruiting. 
And I will say something. Troy Taylor is doing something in, at Stanford. They're number 11 in 2024. Yeah, I just class. looked that up. I'm not yeah. saying it stays top 15. I'm not even saying it stays top 25. I really don't believe it will. Yeah. But that's still a big good start. His... But if you are right, Colin, if he does go and get, along with Elijah Brown, keeps him and then grabs a, a good three or four star receiver, another four star player here, you know, one here, mm-hmm. one there. This becomes a top 15, top 20 recruiting class. And then we're talking about Stanford once again, rather yeah. than talking about them potentially going two and 10. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where things go. And that's, we're, we're going to start our conference previews up here in a few weeks. I mean, just a spoiler alert, there's not a whole St- lot of high Stanford's high not hopes winning for Stanford. a conference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's any of our predictions. There's not a whole lot of high hopes for, for the I like Troy Taylor. Year, I but, think he's a. I think he's a great coach. I really yeah, absolutely. do. Absolutely, he, he turned Sacramento man. State around in a, a heartbeat almost. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, gonna, it's going to take something. But I, I mean, I will say Stanford is definitely not going to be in the top twenty. They probably have only three scholarships or something like that to go. They would have to take either forcing mm-hmm. some decommitments or decommitments to be able to get massive impacts. But it is still a big deal. Like they have a four-star wide yeah. receiver committed. Um, to them as well. They have a four-star offensive lineman. They're, I mean, they're not looking like they're really going to miss a beat here. And I'm just, yeah, I'm very happy about that. We'll talk about some other schools and we'll give a quick update for recruiting. That's what this uh, this segment's going to be weekly. or We're going to do it once every Wednesday, every week, just kind of talk about where everything's at in recruiting. And Florida over the last weekend, just laid it down mm-hmm. in recruiting. Uh, I think they had uh, over the last week and a half, they've had five or six, maybe even more commitments. And they've not been just like small, not talked about it. They've been extremely beneficial to their, their program. They're sitting at number four um, in the 24 seven rankings, uh, third in the 24 seven composite rankings right now. I uh, don't see why. That could not continue to build, but the people counting out Billy Napier right now should probably, yeah, wait. <laughs> you know, oh, like yeah, is- I was gonna say that this this is what Florida fans. This was their biggest drag on Dan Mullen was that so they wish he would have done. Yeah, and now Billy Napier is doing the things that they said that Dan Mullen did not do well. Mm-hmm. If the play on the field doesn't improve, even though the recruiting is. That's the only thing that you'd really have to worry about if you're Billy Napier, and you hope that you know that that they'll get something figured out this year. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what uh, how things look with uh, you know Graham Mertz going down there. But I, you know, it's gonna. I I, I think that they are building a a, you know, a really solid future. What what we've seen here in the past couple of weeks is that you know Florida, at least on paper now. We've seen on paper, look at Texas A&M past couple of years, all the great recruits that they brought in and they were not nearly successful on the field. So let's see how it plays out. But you really do like the future. If, if Florida wants to be back at that national you know, player level, like they were under Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow days uh, that they haven't been in so long. If that, you know, if that's what they're wanting to build back towards, this is a, fantastic start let's be a little more real here though billy napier is not writing a national championship from 10 years ago no it's keeping his career relevant i mean let's no (laughs) 
or or coming in Nick Saban in the uh, media days <laughs> before the season starts. Um, but I I I think it, I it just feels like it's something different for Billy Napier. It does feel kind of like really what Urban Meyer had to do to start his tenure there before um, they really got in a in a groove again. But once they did, they there was really no stopping Florida other than themselves. Yeah. Um, which Swamp Kings will tell us all about. Yeah. Later this off season. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Um, that's going to be amazing. I, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. This is a this recruiting class like just continues to start to like come together, and the more it does, the more you see like where teams are going to land. Like I, I'm not stupid. I know Michigan's not going to finish number three. We've got 23 commits already, and the average is 90.64. While Ohio State, Florida. USC, Alabama, Clemson. Um, Auburn, that's all I've got Auburn, so far. Is Auburn's Auburn the only other one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, slightly, not all much. All those schools are above, and obviously some of those numbers could drop a little bit, but yeah. Michigan's not going to be a top five class. I mean, it might be on the fringe, but I don't think so. I think I, I would say it might be fringe top 10 before it's top five or top 10. Well, I, I mean, I project that you're probably going to have Georgia 1, Bama 2, Ohio State probably 3, Florida 4, and maybe Clemson 4, and then Florida, Clemson 5. That That's yeah. how I've seen this for – I mean, I, I did not see Florida, I will say. Like, Florida I knew was going to have a good class. They had something good building, and you knew that they were going to have something good building when DJ Logway committed. But how effective is that, especially right after the Jaden Rashada stuff? Well, clearly it's very effective because they've been able to parlay all this success and make it, you know, the highlight of the week um, last week. And it lasted the entire week. It started, I think, on the 17th and it ended on the 26th on Monday. So, yeah, it's a great job by Billy Napier and the staff for sure. And then quickly, because he's the talk of the entire offseason, he's going to be the talk of this season. Coach Prime's got Colorado's class at 48th, but they've only got eight commitments. I think there's more on the way there, probably. Once there, the, there's a lot more there, probably. Yeah. Once it, once it I starts mean, they're pretty through. high when it comes to average, and they already have. They are. They're, they're like an 89 average. So, I mean, it's 89.56. Yeah. Yeah. And they already have Aaron Butler, who's kind of a two way player, and they have um, uh, Davis Swain, who's a dominant mm-hmm. interior. So, they, yeah, they're going to be. They're going to be pretty yeah. good. That number is going to. They'll be top 20. I can book that. Absolutely, yeah. All right, well. Shout out, now, Bryce West, Damari, and Witten. There we go. Yeah, they did end up going to Ohio State. I almost completely forgot about It's just Glenville. About it's Glenville, um, though. That's a pipeline. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, Ohio State continues to build their class. It, things are falling together in June, which is weird. But I – and a lot of people are going to say – well, just wait. There's going to be a lot of decommitments. I haven't seen that trend ever, yeah. <laughs> ever. Nobody uh, has. Gonna, yeah. No. I mean, I, I just keep seeing this. Like in everybody's commitment, especially when they go to like an Ohio State or a, an Alabama or a Georgia, they're like, well, not really a Georgia, but yeah. So a school that hasn't won a national championship recently, it's like, oh, it, they're going to decommit and go somewhere else. What well, no, I think the thing not the, the thing about it is. The thing about it is, is we're not going to see decommitments because you can go there, and if you don't like it after all or whatever, there's you can just you know, no harm, out. no foul. Let's <laughs> go to the portal. We've, ne- we've never seen decommitments. I mean, we're not going to see a Jaden Rashada every year. That's not going to happen. No. 
That's not yeah. likely. That's not. That's not even realistic. to think could happen. Yeah, it just depends. I don't know. I we'll, think there's a. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll cross we'll, it if we get there. But I, it, I just don't good. see that happening. Yeah, there's it, no it's, way. I, I think we're, we're there's going to be a whole lot more that's going to be you know here in the next couple of weeks. We're really going to mm-hmm. see a lot of of, more, of these recruits really you know make up their minds and and get locked yeah. in and you know they're going to go ahead and sign as soon as they and can. It's normally, the leaders December. who do it, and then they start pulling in some of the guys with their, their recruiting themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That then kind of makes up the rest of a class. I, I think that that's kind of going to be what you see for the remainder of the recruiting cycle. It's just those guys that haven't made up their mind kind of following to a, a school with a decent commitment. Yeah. You never know. There's a lot of, a lot of opportunities ahead with that Absolutely. said, now we'll go ahead and get into it today. We're going to talk about some of our biggest what ifs and not really like, they're not things that we necessarily believe will happen, but just what if they happen? What like, what if this random thing happens? You can go with either things that you come up with on your mind. You can go with things you found on Twitter. You can go with whatever you decide. It is all up to you. But I want to know some of the biggest what ifs in, in your mind that you've either seen or come up with for the 2023 season. My first what if. What if. Alabama doesn't win 10 games. I've seen this everywhere. What if Alabama goes nine and three? What if Alabama goes eight and four? Well, let me tell you right now, if they do, Alabama fans are not ready to, to no. live their lives with that. This would be what but, the first time since since Saban's first year that they finished with I, I less than so. 10 wins. Like this I is just an incredible stat that I don't you don't see going back throughout history of college football, you don't see a run like this maybe but once or twice going all the way back to 1869. So if this is where the streak comes to an end, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll all that are not Alabama fans, you know, cheer, you know, and have a sigh of relief because, you know, finally maybe the long national nightmare, if you want to call it that is over. But at the same time, it's something that you may never see something like this again. It, it is very rare in college football that you can sustain a program to this high of a level for this long of a period of time. Sins to be going on about 15 years. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been, I mean, you go back, I think it was 08 was when this started. And so this would be 15 I years. Think it since was, I think it was 09. Yeah. Maybe I could be mistaken. I know well, 07 was six and six, maybe something like that. I think, I 08, 08, was, was I think the, 08 was very similar. And then 09 really picked up, but anyways, well, well, if, Cam, if Cam that happens, if that happens and Alabama wins single digits amount of games, then you're going to hear nothing but Eli Holstein, Dylan Lonergan, <laughs> all offseason about how one of those two guys is like the greatest thing ever because Alabama fits. I mean, look, Alabama's not going to drop off. I feel like Nick Saban's not. Their class last year was as good as it gets, especially on defense, right? Mm-hmm. Keon Keeley. Just top ahead, Caleb Downs is going to play this year. Desmond Ricks, elite cornerback. I could go on and on. There's a lot more than that. They have like two or three more five stars than mm-hmm. what I just named. That signed in last year's class. Yeah. However, however, if they do go nine and three, what does that mean for the SEC West? Who fills fills that void? And the reason why I'm doing this is because this transitions to my what if. What if Texas A&M? who has all this talent, wins the SEC West, 
dare I even say wins the SEC. What is the national reaction to that? How are we looking at that Texas game next year, especially if Texas does at least decent this year, right? It just improves off of their eight-win mark last year. What if Texas A&M wins the SEC? They have the talent to do that. You cannot tell me they don't. No, I, I, I was just about mm. to say Tyler and, and Cam and I were talking about this. I think it feels like it was just a week ago or so. Uh, yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I think it we, was. We, it was yeah. Sunday. They, yeah. They've got the talent. They've got the recruiting. You know, it, the only I was going to say when you when you let, before you went into that uh, what if question, there are only two teams that really could feel fill that void of if Alabama is not going to this year. It's Texas A and M and LSU. I really feel like those are the best teams that would be the ones to step up and take that, you know, to, to power grab it. Uh, and, and, you know, it, all they would need is just a win over, uh, at worst, 11-1 and one Georgia squad in the SEC title game, and you'd probably have two SEC teams in the playoff yet again. But for those of you that might comment, don't sleep on Ole Miss or anything, they have to go to Georgia and to Bama. So they get that cross at Georgia. Okay, I'm not – we can't buy into them. So BJ's is 100% right with that. There are essentially three contenders in the SEC West. And, I, and I did have Ole Miss as a sleeper, but I am very hesitant to consider them that they have the talent. Mm-hmm. Their schedule is absolutely brutal. If they prove that they can mm-hmm. make it through that schedule, then they're absolutely not just a, a dark horse or a sleeper. They're wide awake, and they're ready to come and, and take some names and kick some butt. My what-if question, and I, I feel like there's a lot of people that have also talked about this, Tyler. What if you have a three-team tie in the Big Ten East with Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan all at 11-1 and and having gone 1-1 one and one against each other like we almost saw in 2021? What's going to happen? Who's going to Indianapolis? How many are going to go to the playoff? What's going to happen with all that? Because on paper, all three of these teams – are good enough to be in that position where they could go to Indianapolis. They could be the Big Ten champion. They could be in the playoff. They could be at that national level to win a national championship. And here's where the argument starts. <laughs> Let me argue with you. Let me tell you something. If Michigan goes 11-1, they're not making the playoff. Strength of schedule does not hit that. That's not happening. You could say the same thing about Penn State, too. Yeah, West Virginia I mean, I out so. of conference, and then I think at least they have a power five right. opponent out of conference. You really can't yeah. control the, the the level. And also, us canceling UCLA loss. takes away that power five game. So here's also the other thing too: is Michigan's cross conference is weaker than the other two, right? Ohio State has that road game against Wisconsin, and Penn mm-hmm. State has Iowa. Who we were just talking about Iowa earlier in the chat, where. I mean, those are the two favorites in the Big Ten West right there, Wisconsin or Iowa. Either Ohio State wins a road game against a top-two team or Penn State's able to beat a top-two team in the Big Ten West. Now, that's, of course, according to odds or what we think here. Mm -hmm. So that that may not turn out that way. Like if Nebraska catches lightning in a bottle, that could be an impressive win for Michigan in that Mm -hmm. scenario. But the big catch I have here now, again – this whole entire Ohio State making the playoff despite not beating Michigan because this scenario I'm assuming is Ohio State beats Penn State, Penn State beats Michigan, Michigan beats Ohio State. 
I think so. Yeah, I think, that's, that's, I, I think that's it was the, the, the home team wins. In, in terms of scenario, like yeah. what everybody would bet on, I would say it's probably that. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it could work out some other way where all the road teams end up winning somehow, but I digress. Impressive. We're assuming that that's the case, right? I'm not a huge fan of this whole entire whoever loses the game still gets into the playoff. I'm certainly not a huge fan of whoever loses the game is in the playoff over the other, right? The one that beat them. And that's kind of where you, I mean, you go back to 1973, the tie where Michigan essentially dominated the entire game, but yeah, Ohio State still got voted to the Rose Bowl. You talk about situations like that, it it seems fake at that point. And that's where the 12-team playoff could potentially avoid these situations. But the other thing that we are going to talk about, and this is what we got to prepare ourselves for, what if we have uh, just any tie at second place without teams playing each other without these divisions? Then you're going to talk about out of it. Then you're going to talk about this type of mess, right? And this is the type of mess that you're going to get just naturally with divisions. It is what it is. You can't run from it. We, we saw this last year in the Pac-12 with, uh, you know, a little bit of, I don't know what the heck yes, happened. Yes, I was mad about that, too. Uh, I'll, I'll get it figured out. Hold on. GG's to BG's camera. Yeah, it just, I, I made a point that apparently my computer's like, that's too controversial. Cut him off! Yeah, so, I, uh, I was going to say that it was what we saw in the Pac-12 last year with you know utah being in a position that they went over oregon and over washington because of you know I, what what was the tiebreaker call i don't even know don't that's know. the worst thing like they lost an out-of-conference game oregon mm-hmm. lost an out-of-conference game washington mm-hmm. won out of conference oh but they played more difficult no they really didn't florida lost against Flo- or utah pardon me lost against florida right mm-hmm. Washington handled Michigan State, and Tyler just mentioned that uh, in one of his videos, of course, when he was previewing Washington, because they had a road loss, and even though they were bad, historically one of the toughest places to play in the Pac-12. Cam, you can back me up on that, and that was in the desert at Arizona State, right? It was a bad loss a week after a letdown loss against UCLA on a Friday night. They ran the table after that. And they look good doing it. They beat Oregon State in a gritty fashion. They beat Oregon on the road, I'm pretty sure. Wasn't it on the road? Washington won at Oregon, yeah. Yeah. Like, Washington State wasn't a bad team. Like, what were we doing last year? Now, it ended up working out for my own best interest because Washington was not – they did not have the secondary to be able to beat USC. Yeah. And Utah ended up winning, and the rest is history. Ohio State played that classic against Georgia. Mm -hmm. So – what? So, what's wrong? So Utah, I'm, I'm just, I'm. Thank you, Athlon. Um, so I'm reading <laughs> this. Um, Utah went ten and four, seven and two in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Okay, losses to UCLA and Oregon. Yep. Keep this in mind. Washington went seven and two in the Pac-12 with losses to UCLA and Arizona State, but it went over Oregon. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then my favorite part, Oregon. Went seven to two in the Pac-12 with a loss to Washington, a loss to Oregon State, but a win over Utah. Mm-hmm. 
who ultimately yeah. went to uh, what? Exactly. <laughs> they had a head to head though. And again, <laughs> this is the problem that I've been mentioning about no divisions. I like the idea overall, but are you kidding? Like, this is the type of problem that you get, and nobody cared. That was the worst thing to me. Washington got absolutely robbed of a potential Rose Bowl bid, bid, albeit they probably wouldn't have done it. But let's say they lose that game to USC. They could have still sent Washington to the Rose Bowl. We would have seen Washington and Michael Penix in that offense against Ohio State, and then we would have saw USC in the playoff. It's just absurd to me how this is something nobody talks about. So the loud down, the loud down, the low down CFP, a little bit of an adjustment, the low down CFP, where we ask you the challenging questions. Okay. Explain to me why Washington wasn't in the Pac-12 championship last year. Yeah. I I still don't buy the whatever. I don't even remember what they said. The tiebreaker was ranking or something. I don't even know. Yeah. It it, was it like a a aggregate or something of like the the common. See, it's when you get to that point, just, Play on a Wednesday or something, and then go play. You know, push everything back. I don't care. Two point just, conversions, shoot yeah, out. Yeah, just you know, make a field goal. First team to hit a sixty yard field goal goes to Vegas. <laughs> so, so what about this? What if the Pac twelve conspired against USC since they were leaving the conference, and they knew that Utah was the more likely team to beat them. So I like what this. That I like this head. Well, that's fair, I, that's, I thought, that's Oregon, I thought Oregon was actually, <laughs> if Caleb Williams is healthy, I, I think Oregon was probably just the best suited to be able to win that game. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. you never know. You're playing. What ifs, what happened happened, mm-hmm. but now we are going to be talking about, I mean, if we were in a 12 team playoff, Utah gets that bye. Mm-hmm. they get a bye. When Washington had to sit at home and couldn't prove himself, what? Because they lost in a trap game against Arizona State. That happens all the damn time. Pardon yeah. me. Well, no, and it's not only that. Like this is a typical for Washington. Anytime they go to Arizona, they struggle. Yeah. No matter it's, it's what that, team they're playing, it's that adjustment from the Pacific forget, Northwest to the desert. It always happens. Not forget, Washington goes to face a better Arizona team this year. And and the actual Arizona Wildcats, who That's will our then little secret? Okay, That's our <laughs> little secret. Uh, fair, fair. I, 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 I've got I've got another one. I don't know how long we want to be. You know, we'll, we'll go another round of this. Yeah. All right. Um, so let me ask this. While I, well, he may be back in the chat. I was I was hoping that Drew wouldn't be around to hear me ask this question. But what if Texas? isn't as good as we think they are yet again. Does the pressure start to build even more so for Sark in year three? I mean, he's doing, I feel like he's done a great job in building something up and getting the culture right. But as we've seen time and time and time again in the past decade, they don't have patience in Austin. They will not tolerate another less than nine win season, it feels like. Well, it's going to become a meme to everybody else, but I agree with you, BJ, but I'm not even sure if I should, like we should be in that situation where me agreeing with you is possible. Like, I think that (laughs) what constitutes not giving this guy the legitimate due that he deserves. I mean, look, 
this program has been in shambles ever since Mac Brown left, and really yes. before Mac Brown left. Let's be when honest. Martin, when Mac stopped giving a crap about, well, yeah, the I mean, after the after, national after, championship yeah. loss, I mean, after it, it Colt, seemed like it just kind of, kind of ended. Once Colt McCoy left, uh, Texas fell, and it fell hard, and it, it just has never turned back to into what, well, what we expect them to be. I mean, ever from mm-hmm. the mid two thousand, well, from I guess the early two thousands all the way on. Once it's not like Texas. Over. It's not like Texas has been bad, or Texas has been a team that shouldn't be winning a Big Twelve championship. As a matter of fact, they definitely should be. And the fact that they punched below their weight for so long is kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Yes. They are now with a head coach who, if you give him the time to do what he's capable of doing, because he did very well at Washington, and prior to him getting fired at USC was, I think, was on the right path to bring USC back before it actually came back. Before he got left on the tarmac, yes, and <laughs> hit Mill Avenue. If you if you look hard. at them now, compared to where they were with Charlie Strong, compared to where mm-hmm. they were with Tom Herman, yeah. what more could you ask of C. Sarkeesian in just two seasons than what you've gotten? They, they finally beat Kansas last year. That was a step in the right direction. Come on, Sorry. man. All right, all right. We, hey, we got Drew shaking <laughs> over here. So. I know. <laughs> that's that's why I thought I thought he had left, but he, he came back in. I was like, I was trying to get it in, in into the conversation so that he wouldn't have to. I wouldn't get a nasty text from him I mean, later I, saying, I just, "You're not welcome to show up tomorrow for the episode." <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just don't understand where you wouldn't give the guy a, a fair chance, and a fair He's, chance is more than what you gave the other two who did, yeah, diddly squat yes. for. Yeah. 10 years, all right? Yeah. This is... Yeah. He, there's no reason not to. He deserves this, this, the patience, but, I mean, it's, it's Only Austin. so far. Like, let me let me be real. It's like, Austin. this does not... Oh, the, I'm not saying... The rope like, is not 100 yeah. yards long. Yeah. But it, it should definitely be on the better side it. of 50. But. Mac, of course, but... Mac, yeah. Mac retired 10 years ago at the end of this season. Charlie yeah. Strong for three. Herman for four. This is Sark's third year. Well, okay, but can I at least make the case of this is why it won't happen with Sark? And their worst-case scenario is probably a 10-win team that's in the Big 12 championship regardless of result. That's the their worst-case result? To me, yes. And I don't here's see why. it's not. But yeah. Here, here's why. I, mean, I feel like it should be, but, I mean, if, if we're, we're I'm talking gonna, hey, Since we're talking Big defense. 12, i got to follow up for this, but go ahead. Okay. Defense on that level was on that level last year. They returned – a, a ton of talent off of that. The offensive line, they recruited their best offensive line class that they could have possibly gotten back in 2021 or the 21 class, 22 class. Last yeah. year's freshmen, right? Yeah. They're now yeah. tr- sophomores, retro yeah. freshmen. The however you want to put class, them. Yeah. Yes. They're going to be developed. They're going to be even deeper in that 21 class was also pretty solid with, when it comes to that. And their wide receiver room is loaded. And if Quinn Ewers isn't ready under Sark, I don't even know what to say about Quinn Ewers. That's a Quinn issue, not a Sark issue. He has too good of a track record for this. Yeah, I feel like Texas is a team this year that you're not really going to miss on them. If their miss, their floor is a lot of program ceilings. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's just the bottom line. And the biggest reason why, too, is because the difference between Sark and the difference between Charlie Strong and Tom Herman is Sark does not take the BS from the boosters. Yeah. That's just what it comes down to. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He came in on day one and said, 
you guys are not being hands-on with this program because you're the one killing the program and no one else. Yeah. All right. What if a new Big 12 team wins the Big 12 in 2023? BYU. I, I still don't do Well, you're a hater, Cam. That doesn't count. No, no, like, you can ask Tyler and BJ. I've given BYU a lot of credit this offseason and think that they still. Whoa, whoa, we don't ball. use that word around here, man. <laughs> non Cardinal Sin. No, it's episodes on I apologize. Um, but you have. You have given them credit. And, and you have even said that they're kind of like that second. Mm-hmm. If they're, they're not your number one in the Big Twelve, they're your number two out of the new teams over there. Mm-hmm. And I, they're I easily the number simply two. agree. Yeah. I think I think I might be the lowest on them, which is funny because I mean I you know that's that's me, and I really don't have a vested interest one way or the other. But I'm not saying that to be mean or, or anything TCU like that. can be the only premier Christian school in the Big Twelve. <laughs> You're damn right. No. Sorry. <laughs> All right. No, but, I, but, I, I think I, out of the likelihood, I, I agree with Cam. I really do think it's it's okay. probably if, if anybody's well, going to be it's just out of the, the new talent. schools. I don't think school. any of them do. But let's be. Real. I don't think so either. I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's that. This is not my prediction. I'm just asking because I'm I'm curious of the what if scenario. And is somebody in the Big Twelve circle, BJ? Mm-hmm. What if? <laughs> what if it's them? I mean, you know, the it would be uh, immediate, you know, validation of their move up. I think that as well, I, I, you know, the, the feeling for the little sisters of the poor as the rest of the big 12 outside of Texas and Oklahoma have been dubbed by some of the national media pundits. Uh, nobody in here, of course, but um, you know, as, as basically the hateful eight with the addition of these four new schools, you can add in hateful 12 as they, their, their thoughts are as long as it's not Texas or Oklahoma that wins it before they go off to the sec they're okay. They're fine with that. You know, more power to them, especially if they beat a Texas or an Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game in Arlington. I okay. I, I think it would be awesome because you'd have three straight years, um, you know, before Texas and Oklahoma leave for the SEC after they announced they were leaving for the SEC that neither one of them gets to Arlington and makes it or wins it. Here is – my mentality when it comes to this whole entire BYU versus UCF thing. We're still on. BYU has, yes. BYU <laughs> has one surefire loss to me. I think that UCF has like three surefire conference losses. Three. I mean, they have to go to Norman. They have to go to Kansas, to Kansas State. They have to go to Texas Tech. Like, those are four really tough games. I mm-hmm. think they win at best one of those four, maybe two of those four. Right. I, I don't disagree. I'm just, I'm just simply. I don't think either one of them make it, if I'm being honest. Well, but, I don't yeah. either. Again, this is just kind of. This is a what if. That's the fun. This is a reckless if. speculation segment. We, we, should, is, we, should, yeah. we should bring these back again on Sunday. I like this. I think we'll bring it back every Wednesday, maybe on Wednesdays. Okay. Cam, okay. since we have, have skipped one? over you, yeah, you got one. So what if, what if we see 
in this new playoff format. No, this is 2023 only. Oh, wait. Come on. Yeah. We've got Learn one more year of four teams. Yeah. Reed. Come on, man. <laughs> so, He's going to kick you off if you don't read. I know. I. Um, so what if we do see a true playoff contending group of five team emerge? Like, how well, are we going to do that? What's the path to that? Yeah, is there well, is there a path to that? I think there. I think there is one team that has a legitimate path, mm-hmm. and they have to go undefeated, and it's SMU. I was they just play about to say, stop two, with your they, SMU. Cool. I can't say no, what I'm about to, to me. say. Listen to me, bro. They got a true. You, each other you, with an you have been it. on your knees for SMU, and you yes. haven't been praying about them bro, all off season, man. Come the on. Best. G five team that can do it. That's not yeah. true. You they really believe Oklahoma. in Brett Lashley that much? Stop. No, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying that they play Oklahoma and TCU. If they win both of those games, plus go undefeated, mm-hmm. that's two Power Five wins, which is more than Cincinnati had in their in their appearance in the playoffs. But you also that's the only Oklahoma team I see that has TCU two Power Five games that they could also potentially nine win. Plus wins both. I feel like you have to have both of them. I don't have to have both of them be nine-win teams. You have to have both of them be above 500. No. The answer is The only reason that Cincinnati made it in 2020 was because Notre Dame, that was their only loss. Notre Dame, as they continued to rise, that helped Cincinnati out because Cincinnati was the only team that beat them. I really do feel that if Oklahoma State had won that game over Baylor in the Big 12 championship – they might have left out an undefeated Cincinnati. I don't think that would have happened. I never bought into that. I don't think so either. Boise I mean, State it's a legitimate possibility, at least. Boise State's the answer because they play at Washington Week One and they play UCF Week Two. Oh, well, that's why that's, that's the answer. goes on the road to. That's Oklahoma. fine, but they're not. They're they're losing one of those two games. I'm sorry. That's I didn't say they weren't. But just I'm, like hey, that yeah. would be like me saying that. Hey, Wyoming has hey, the best chance. Hey, to read go. the bottom left. What does that say? What if? <laughs> what if SMU what if beats Wyoming them both? goes undefeated? Okay, well, then yeah. Wyoming's definitely not going because they're Wyoming's kind of like not what even Western right. Michigan was. <laughs> what if Why Wyoming Western... goes undefeated? Western Michigan didn't play a P five like Texas Tech and Texas. Who does Wyoming play? Texas Tech and Texas. They played both of them? I didn't realize they played, yeah, they played Texas, 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 Texas Tech, Tech at home, which I forgot about the Texas no Tech. No spoilers on that one. Texas Tech at home, and then they play at Texas. I knew is they it, went to that, Texas. Why the yeah, hell do you three right after the, the week three right after the Oregon Why would game, anybody it? schedule in Laramie, Cam? That's but just I'm, asking to get beat. What is The reason I say SMU is because SMU is clearly a more powerful, a more talented team than Wyoming. I think I think SMU is... And I've said this multiple times. They are my favorite out of the G5 to be a New Year's 16. Boise he's State. He's praying again. Boise State. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Boise State is in my top 25 over SMU. So that shows where I think of Boise State to begin with. I still think they're a great team. If I'm looking at it, you may be right, Colin. May, but I think that having, a again, a one-year removed playoff team on your schedule plus Oklahoma, who is going to give the benefit of the doubt, rather than UCF and Washington both, I just think that that's the more likely path, especially going undefeated. It, like That puts you in that number five or number six range without question. At least it shouldn't be questionable. And hey. their transfer portal class was good. I, I don't know that Rhett Lashley's a good coach. I'm not saying he's a terrible coach. But, look, I believe in Preston Stone more than I believe in anybody else in Dallas right now. 
Okay, well, <laughs> Chandler Morris, Preston Stone for Mayor. All right, Preston so Stone for Heisman. Here, here's somebody <laughs> we haven't talked about though. That's too lame. We are kind of sleeping on too lame. I don't think they have that top end game, but they the got momentum Miss. that they got, I, think I, they I host don't think Ole Miss. I don't think they Ole Miss do. is is good enough to beat both of yeah Texas. And I'm talking about like in a like head to head scheduling standpoint. I don't think Ole Miss is capable of being better. As an eye test for no, that's fine. I'm not seeing both of them go undefeated. We're talking about if a G5 puts himself in the playoff conversation. The Mm -hmm. team that the the G5 that closed out on the highest note last year was Tulane. The G5 Mm -hmm. that is going to start out ranked in every single poll you look, regardless. You could talk about SMU, Boise State, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. Tulane that's going to be the one team they play against South Alabama, who's going to be a really good team. They play against Ole Miss. They get to avenge their loss at Southern Miss, and they get to close out the season against UTSA. If UTSA has another 10-win season, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but does Tulane, with the momentum that they had last year, an undefeated season, would that be enough to make a playoff? I don't think so, I don't but think so. I think it would be a conversation people would have. I, th- I think it. I think any team that goes undefeated should be considered unless their schedule is just yeah. that bad. I mean, Western Michigan – what in 2016, right? I mean, that was one of those that yeah, was just like that. There wasn't really a question whether they were a playoff team because they didn't have a strength of schedule to really put themselves in that conversation. Mm-hmm. They didn't play a Big Ten team that year, to my other yeah. than Wisconsin. But we saw what happened when they played Wisconsin. This, uh, this is kind of one of those like Cincinnati started out really high in the rankings and then just kind of kept rising because of people falling. Mm-hmm. I just, if I'm looking at something, I, I think you're right. Colin, I, I do think Boise State has that conversation, but I'm talking like it would have to be undefeated, and they would not have to be able to have a close game anywhere. I'm I'm just thinking realistically, SMU should they go undefeated with wins over both of those teams said previously, it would be hard to argue that they should not be a playoff team. And I'm not saying that they would automatically get in either, but I just think it would be hard to argue them not being part of it, especially assuming they beat Tulane, who last year was the American Athletic Conference champions and a New Year's yeah. Six winner. Okay, last year. Uh, no you. record going into the playoffs? Uh, I, I, that's hard to say no to. That's all I'm saying. Okay, last question on this before we either move on to our final question or or you know wrap this one up. They don't play in the regular season. A 12-0 SMU, 12-0 Tulane for the American title. Does the winner – what if – the will the winner of that game, essentially, if they match the up? The winner deserves the conversation. They they 100% do. Yeah, the winner Can't deserves the that. conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying either gets in. I, I'm not even yeah. saying SMU gets in. Yeah. But that is – I mean, I'm. you they want a real answer. That, I yeah. mean, I know how high I am on SMU. I know how much I've talked about them on the offseason. But, I mean, there's a reason. Yeah. There's a legitimate reason – we're talking about what they could be, especially if they if they just win those two games. Yeah, like those are the only two games that are guaranteed. Like, or those are the only two games that I see on their schedule that I'm like, eh, I don't know if they're winnable or not. I mean, they're definitely on the opposite side of winnable, but mm-hmm. there's not many other games on that schedule that I look at and I'm like, yeah, this is tough to explain a path to. Like, yeah. I just see that so. That was a hefty conversation. Do you have another what if, Cam, since we skipped you the first time? I thought we got both from I thought Cam Cam had two. He just had like Did you get two for No. Yeah, Colin, you're up. Yeah, yours is the last one. What if 
neither Florida State or Clemson win the ACC. Duke. Louisville? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, BJ. Because I, I can't believe um, the, the Duke it, I, fanboy I, I, show. Well, here's I, I, it's, here, it's, it's Duke or not, I, nobody, I think. Let, let, me, really. let me say – no, I think Louisville's got an argument. Um, let, let me say this. If neither Clemson or Florida State win the ACC, I have questions about why. And if I could look <laughs> ahead, I would know these answers. But these are the questions. If you told me, if 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 I came back from the future and walked through that door behind me and said, hey, man, make make sure you bet on this, Duke wins the where, ACC. And I'm going to be like, why not Florida? Why not Florida State and Clemson? And I would. my questions would be injuries. Yeah, Club like, Nick, it was, Travis. W- well, was 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 Garrett Riley not very good for Clemson? Was did did Mike Norvell like fall off a cl- like what happened? <laughs> I mean, like what in the did world? Did he decide to go on a submersive or something? Did, did he decide yeah. that oh, Thailand yeah, was better than the too soon? I don't too know. soon. Too soon. Um, I mean, did he get a one way ticket to Thailand? I mean, I don't know. Like that's <laughs> that's. These are real questions, and like I Sometimes would want to know, and I think that I think the answer would be yes to no, at least clear. one of those, and more likely than not, it would be the injuries. Um, look, Clemson. This is painful. Uh, Clemson <laughs> is the favorite in the ACC, and it should be. I, I think mm-hmm. they're they have a a very a very maneuverable schedule that they could easily win a lot of games, if not all of their games. Um, they have some tough games in there. I mean, Florida State's tough in week four. At Duke in week one with a new offense? No slouch. Don't don't sleep through that. I mean, There's a reason real. why that's primetime Labor Day night. But they get Notre Dame at home. They mm-hmm. The most unfavorable parts of their schedule are oh. at home. I mean, the only other tough game that I can think of off the top of my head is the fact they got to go on the road to Williams-Rice Stadium. But guess what? That doesn't question your ACC championship hopes. Yeah. So – I don't really know that if I'm looking at at that, I, I mean, you'd have to tell me that something seriously bad happens for me not to bet on both of those teams, or at least one of those teams in the ACC. Or catastrophic. Oh, here we go. Or <laughs> here um, we go. I am uh-oh. not predicting this whatsoever. There is one team who has the talent to compete. Don't it, you dare say my name. Uh, oh, 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 okay. Well, they have the talent to compete, don't they? I'm not no, saying. They... <laughs> I'm not saying. They do. Don't act like they don't. They've recruited They don't the have the quarterback to compete the with Clemson. Tyler Van Dyke? Yeah. No, I'm, not yeah, I, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with BJ. Hold up. Even though Are they're at home, I think it could be. I have some cl- question marks with Tyler Fink. I saw Kenny well. Pickett. I had so many question marks about Kenny Pickett. I saw Kenny Pickett go and win this conference two years ago, right? And I get it. Something went wrong. Kenny with Pickett had that dog that in year. him, though. Pitt did not have that talent around Kenny Pickett than Jordan what Addison? Tyler Van Dyke does. Jordan Addison? Eh, not really. <laughs> That was a very solid defense. Who as who well. nope. on Miami's roster right now is better than? I'm not going to say, okay, who was Jordan Addison before that year, though? No, I'm just asking, who's going to step up and be that guy? 
Yeah. Does Romello Branson go off? Does Jacoby George go off? Does Xavier Restrepo? My guy Xavier Restrepo, but he was last year too, and that went very well for me. But I'm, Josh Gaddis also was a leading that offense. So the, yes. 20, the 2023 game look, between Clemson and Miami will be similar to the 2015 one than it will be to a close game. Okay, I'm going on record <laughs> right now. Happened in 2023. It was a hurricane or 2015. No, the, uh, the 2015 one or whatever was like the 58 to nothing or 59 nothing. Oh, I'm not saying no. that. Okay, that's not. Stop. I I think Listen. legitimately think Clemson blows them out. I don't think Tyler Van Dyke is going that's to be fine. competitive in that game. You can think that. That's okay. But you're telling me right now they do not have the on paper talent to do it. You don't trust that Mario Cristobal is a good coach. You don't I didn't say I don't coach. trust that he's a good coach. I just don't trust them this year. What? Uh, that's fine. I don't trust them either. I'm not picking them. I just said I'm not picking I know them. What you're but did you think yeah, about that as a scenario? Play, if we're playing the I what mean, if game. That, I, it didn't occur to me. Well, as we, a hey, guess what, BJ? We are playing the what if game. I know. That's, that's the question that's, we're asking. I know. But here's that's another the thing. team. You were asked what if. I'm saying no. Here's another team, and this is simply schedule related. But Pitt. Yeah, I can yeah. see it. Yeah. Pitt has I mean, a I, Pitt is kind of like Clemson. They have that schedule that you just kind of look at it. And you're like, there's a lot of there's a lot of games that you could mark as wins, and there's not many that you even yeah. are willing to mark as losses. And that, that's going to be right a, without any research. I mean, because I went through it. Yeah, it that's going to come down to Charlotte, I think, because they don't play in the regular season. Well, it, yeah, it would, but Pitt does play Florida State, and they also play Duke. Yeah, those would be some tough games, but they I mean, have. I, I'm just saying. They also have like a weird situation where they have Wake Forest right before Notre Dame on the road, and it's a back-to-back road trip. And I think we all kind of agree that Wake Forest is not going to be a bad team whatsoever. I'm not going to put them in this conversation. Get ready for the Mitch Griffiths to A.T. Perry conversations. I mentioned this in a preview that I did recently, too. People act like Wake Forest is – People act like they just fell off a cliff, and I'm not saying they did yeah. that. I mean, I don't know that – I think they're fighting for boil eligibility this year because their defense yeah. is not very good, and I don't know no, that Mitch Griffiths is exactly yeah. Sam Hartman's caliber. Need. But their Mitch potential. Griffiths – now, I think he's exactly what they need with development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mitch Griffiths was very, very good last year when he replaced Sam Hartman from the uh, medical fair. issue. Yeah, Griffiths was awesome. I, I couldn't have – I. I couldn't have looked at Wake Forest and said that anybody could have done any better. Than but the did. other thing is, too, before Sam Hartman, Dave Clawson was having some success at Wake Forest with Jamie Newman and John yeah. Wolford. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's, what's stopping Mitch Griffiths from being just as good as the other guys? Exactly. I'm saying, I'm saying, I don't know that there is. I'm saying that it may fall back to that John Wolford success rather than the Sam Hartman. Yeah, success. that's what I was just about to say. Their yeah, potential but, from where they were with Hartman to where they are now is the only thing that really kind of fell off a cliff. But they're still yeah. going to be, I think, seven, eight I, I is think, probably. I think Ceiling. ceiling, I think ceiling drops. Floor really stays the same. It's like a yeah. four or five win season. It's like a floor for them, and that's it. Yeah. Everything goes bad. Yeah, and or the yeah. defense is any worse but, than it was last year. I mean, they play Pitt and Florida State both at home, and I'm not predicting that upset in either game. But this could be a team that throws a wrench into the plans. They could and big time to win the ACC. You just got to get there, right? You don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily look great. Miami could limp. Nine and three, or heck, they could lose to Miami, Ohio, and Texas A&M, but get hot. We've seen it before. We saw Kansas Seven State last five. year, right? Yeah. We saw Kansas State. Well, that can't happen because they have to. I mean, they don't have divisions, yeah. but yeah. Okay. So yeah. I'm done with that. What if right there? Well, that was fun, y'all. Like I said, mm-hmm. we need to add this in like every week. It feels like. 
I would be yeah. glad to have this as an every week deal. That was this was a definitely a good one. This is the end of the show, but this is the first episode under the new name, the Lowdown CFB. Um, really glad to have been brought in to be a part of this. I think we all are, and we all had a good time today. Great. So hopefully Sunday can be just as good. We go Sundays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. That is a new thing <laughs> for, for this show specifically. Yeah. But Sundays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You can expect At least all until the season. Best news giving you the lowdown on everything college football. So with that, for the four of us, we'll see you on Sunday.